Hello, and welcome to Advertising Will Save Us, the podcast that looks at how the ad industry can move the world forward culturally, socially, environmentally, and creatively, of course. I'm Myra Nussbaum, President and Chief Creative Officer of Havas Chicago. And I'm Dan Lucy, Chief Creative Officer of Havas New York, and welcome to Episode 7. We hope you enjoy it, and as always, we hope you learn something. I think I did this week. Oh, me too. Every week, we'll speak to a different inspiring business leader, creative, ad tech watchdog, writer, or activist to show how through its power to reach millions of people, our industry can, however ironically, save us. But first, as we always do, we're going to start by acknowledging our faults as an industry. As we all know, I don't really have to explain this, advertising doesn't have the best reputation for making the world a better place. True, true. So we asked people on social what they find really problematic about advertising. And this week we heard from Gray Ingram. His quote is simply, I'm not sure you'd want to address this on your podcast, but holding companies. So, Dan, there might be some people listening to us that don't know what the heck a holding company is. Um, If you don't know what it is, it's a single parent company that owns a ton of other agencies. Um, So they kind of everybody reports into them. People share in the stock of that parent company as opposed to the individual agencies. And those smaller agencies get support from the parent company, just like children get support from their parents. Dan, why do you think he doesn't think we'd want to address it? Maybe because we both are employed by a holding company. But I think I, I don't know if we are. Are we? We're employed by a family. Right. True. True. And let me expand. We are employed by a family who, um, and I think the advantage to that is that it's not just short-term, we're not short-term growth obsessed, right? There's a little bit of a longer play happening here. There's a little bit of a consideration of what's going to make us a better organization, not for Q3, but for the year, the year to follow. And I think there are some advantages there, but but it's a juicy one. And I like it because it's also a short quote. It's also a short provocation. But holding companies. I think what you're saying is not all holding companies are created equal. And what's great about kind of pushing against that is our guest today doesn't work for a holding company. He works for his company, which is Liquid Death. So they have their own people inside and they do things differently. And that's great for them. I think some of us, too, just really enjoy, like speaking for myself, I've worked at Independence and at holding companies. And I just like working for a really big company. (laughs) But that's not for everybody. I like the global reach. I like the impact that big, big campaigns can have across offices. And I like having coworkers in Singapore, you know? And it's also good to have a little bit of a cushion, right? I think that (laughs) we've all worked at small independent agencies and I have so much respect for them. And, you know, advertising is is not an easy game to be in. But when when you're working for a small company, you know, you feel every wave, it's dramatic. Every uh, small financial setback has big ramifications. As always, if you have a problem with our industry, please tweet us at Havas, hashtag advertising will save us, or email us at podcastfeedback at Havas.com. We'd love to hear uh, what your beef is, and we'll put it on the air. Dan and I are really excited about this week's guest, and we're also incredibly jealous of him because he's doing some amazing work. Uh, His name's Andy Pearson. He is the VP of Creative at Liquid Death Mountain Water. For Gen Z, Liquid Death has become a cult fave. 
The brand has collaborated with icons including Martha Stewart, Steve-O, Tony Hawk, and Wiz Khalifa, and has 2.9 million followers on TikTok. Recently, the company closed a $70 million funding round and was valued at $700 million, despite only launching in 2019. Andy helps oversee all creative outputs of the brand, from viral advertising campaigns to social content to merch to experiential events and more. Well, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Andy. We're so excited to have you. And first off, uh, please explain what Liquid Death Mountain Water is for anybody listening who does not know and is not familiar. I bet everybody is. And then if and if there's a mission, go into that a little bit. Yeah, sure. I mean, technically what Liquid Death is, it's a canned water. It's a, a mountain water. Um, and we ha- now have a line of sparkling. We have flavored sparkling. Um, so technically, that's what it is. But I really, as a as a company and a brand, I think the most succinct way I've heard it expressed is liquid death is an evil plan to make the world healthier and more sustainable. And really, it's it's all about taking, you know, there's this there's this kind of problem in marketing where all the brands that have the most fun are the ones that are worse for us, right? So it's all the beer advertising is the coolest. The marketing <laughs> is always the most fun, the, you know, the most energetic, energy drinks, Wait, all that kind of thing. And bad. so can we take beer's bad all for of me, that, Andy, don't say the that. humor don't and the fun that, but yeah. and direct it towards something that's actually genuinely um, healthy and there's really nothing healthier for us than the water that we all need every day. And then also take some of that and, and rethink the way we consume packaged goods and maybe there's a better way to do it that that has a lesser impact on on our planet um so we're kind of on a mission we have this mission we talk about called death to plastic and that's kind of our rallying cry against single-use plastics i love it it's so brilliantly simple and there is so much sustainable talk um i'm actually working on a brief right now and like reading about you and I, I've been following liquid death since the beginning, but I was like a light bulb went on. I was like, you guys liquid death is to water what this new electric Dodge charger is to cars. Like you don't have to talk about the sustainability. It's a new electric Dodge. You don't have to talk about like saving the planet like everybody else, because it's just not, people are a little like tuned out to that. Like they don't, A, they don't totally believe it. And the messaging is so boring. They're not even listening to you. So liquid death, I mean, it just totally broke through. And I bet a lot of people don't even know about the mission. They just love the brand. Yeah, totally. And that, you know, I think that's, you know, it's partially by design. I mean, we don't harp on, we're not in your face constantly with the sustainability message, which I think is, you know, potentially the trap of a lot of other brands and products where, you know, that's all you're pushing all the time. And, you know, that message is only reaching the people that already are already used to receiving that message. I, I've like called it like kind of the NPR Whole Foods crowd. And I, I say <laughs> that being part of that crowd. Um, but it's like we don't we don't need to push that message to people. We don't need to do that because it's generally when we're speaking to people that way. It's done in a in kind of the same fairly bland, fairly milquetoast way. And the truth is, everybody on the planet wants a healthier life, right? Yes. Every, everybody with probably the few exceptions, a bunch of people, a couple of people want to have a more sustainable planet, right? Everybody wants this. But then the marketing is only pushed towards one very specific segment. 
and it and it's also pretty bland. And so that was really the the idea with Liquid Death is like let's direct it at other people who also care about it. Let's create a brand that isn't is all about it, but isn't on the surface talking about it constantly, and just make a genuinely interesting brand. First of all, I think Myra and I are super big fans, and we're so jealous of this brand and all the work you guys are doing and how much fun you're having. I mean, I'm just going to list out for anybody who's not familiar with even the the way you market uh, Liquid Death. Like you've used Tony Hawk's blood for a limited edition line of skateboards to fight plastic pollution, right? You've used an adult actress, film, adult film star, I should say, right? Um, to say, you know, death to plastic and you should not fuck the earth, like, <laughs> right? So I thought that was pretty, pretty smart. You had Wiz Khalifa use it as bong water, right? And and I think ultimately you are speaking to people who, again, are not the Whole Foods crowd, right? Because they're already converted. Um, uh, they're already doing all the things and, and you're talking to a crowd who's maybe not, converted, not going out of their way to be sustainable, but like you said, you know, does want a planet, a healthy planet to live on. Yeah. And I think it's just really refreshing that, because too much of the work is in that kind of, maybe even a preachy tone. Mm -hmm. And I love that you guys are not, you're having fun with an important issue. And I think the industry needs it. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, the the funny thing is we do as equally well in Whole Foods as we do in 7-Eleven. I mean, it's really fascinating kind of across the board for a brand that I think was has always since the beginning been, pe- been pegged as this like really niche or gimmicky product, and we see it in in sales, we see it in the research we do, it really appeals to everybody because it it always is hitting on so many different aspects and and there's so many different kind of entry points for for people to come into the brand. So you might have a mom who you know we get letters all the time from moms who today on LinkedIn someone just tagged us in this post on something it was about how you know my child was addicted to energy drinks and now I've got them to switch to liquid death right and and now they can you know they drink water instead um, so we get we get moms that are you know sending us stories like that a ton of people that are trying to either cut down on alcohol or um, are cutting it out entirely right that's a whole other segment to people that that just want to go to a concert hang out with friends go to a party or a bar and just want to have something in their hands but not have to feel like they have to drink alcohol, right? Then there's the environmental aspect. Then there's people who are metalheads. There's so many different ways in on the brand that there's something in here for everyone. And on a brand level, it's all based on humor. Everything we're doing is funny. And so all humans want to laugh. All humans drink water. All humans want to, you know, be healthier and more sustainable. So there's this weird thing of like that whole thing of you can't be everything to everyone, but we've almost reverse that where we've been very specific, but in being very niche, it's actually opened up this world to let so many different people in on it. Yeah. You've kept it super accessible. I'm curious, like, how did you get involved with it and what were you doing before? I'm assuming, was it uh, Mike that found you or somebody found you and brought you in, but how did you kind of get started in the world of advertising? Well, so I've, I've been in the advertising industry for 13 years now, I was at um, Crispin, at Deutsche LA, Humanop for a little bit. Yeah, Mike and I actually kind of crossed paths at a number of those places at at Crispin, at Humanop. I helped him when he was uh, at Vayner and at Donor. And so, um, you know, he left Donor to start the brand. Mm. 
um, and uh, just kind of texted me out of the blue about a year and a half ago and asked what I was doing. That's fun. I think, yeah, I think the, well, I think the fun thing is like, we're a lot of people who are marketing or advertising misfits, people that kind of had a desire to do things differently. And I think I was even feeling it. My, my last job before I joined Liquid Death, I was GCD of McKinney LA here and kind of starting the shop up. And I had kind of had this epiphany previously when I was at Humanot because we were at Humanot in Chattanooga, if you guys yeah. know that, that shop, shop, it was, it's amazing. And, and David little John has done an incredible job there. And the whole idea is getting good stuff in people's brains and using, it's really similar to the mission of liquid death, which was that like healthy organic products don't have to be boring. Right. We can have fun. We can curse, we can do wild stuff with it. And so, um, I think through my experience there and through, and through Mike's experience there as well, we were like, God, what are we doing? Why are we using our brains and all of our time and everything we're doing to market whatever bullshit comes across our desk we have no control over it and so i'd kind of been on this like personal journey to to try to push when i was at mckinney try to push us to find clients that were were doing good in the world or at least not fucking it up mm -hmm. and uh support that kind of thing and i i'm kind of curious too like you say that at liquid death you're all sort of misfits of advertising and marketing but i find advertising itself is full of misfits of other things mm -hmm. of like, you know, people that maybe got a teaching degree and decided they were too weird for that or wasn't stimulating yeah. enough. Um, so what do you think that you guys had in you that made you even more misfitty or brave, <laughs> brave enough to go try to do this thing and build a company, a brand, change yeah. the way people do advertising? Like, how'd you get that way? <laughs> Well, I mean, I I think everyone kind of arrives there by be by being beaten down and seeing the dumb ways that agencies and and brands operate. And so, I think the other sort of like global idea behind Liquid Death really is like there can be a better way, and there can be a better way if we just stop and we think about it for a second. And so, I think you know the way that we operate internally the way that we approach our creative the way that like all these things we're always trying to find a better way and a smarter way to do it we do really dumb stuff but it's always for really smart reasons and and so i i think like the way we operate is as much part of the success of the brand as the marketing itself because we're choosing to not do certain things to like not spend money on media we'd rather make we talk about this a lot entertainment over marketing we'd rather just make stuff that people genuinely want to watch and just put it out there and and spend our money making this stuff and having the ideas and make more of those rather than taking our money and funneling it into media to force people to watch ideas and things they don't want to see. It's like the creative department runs a brand. I mean, this is this is the stuff we all say all the time to each other, to in internal groups. Why don't we just do it this way? Like in, in a way. And what I love about Liquid Death is so many brands out there, they like to be in the category they're in, right? If you're a water brand, you should look like a water brand. You know, you might be five degrees different from the water brand on the shelf to the left and to the right of you, but you act, if you're financial services, you have to act like a financial services brand. And right. it, it's these artificial constructs that I don't think consumers feel. 
And it forces everything to kind of feel the same, look the same, take the same approach. And it all just cancels each other out. And and usually the brand with the most money will win that battle every time. Yeah, I mean, that's why I like coming here and talking. (laughs) I think think I've been on a mission lately to be like, we should stop doing stupid stuff. We should all just, if we just stop for a second, there's probably a better way to do all the things. But we're so busy and we're so heads down that it, it, it takes literally starting a brand from scratch and rebuilding it from the ground up or building it from the ground up to be like, what's the smartest way to do this? Okay, now it's the smartest way to do this. So again, I think it it goes back to the decision to put water in a can. And I'll kind of tell the story of that because I think this, I think this is really the, again, like the the bigger story of, of Liquid Death is, you know, the origin was, can we make health and sustainability 50 times more fun, right? Can we can we take the healthiest thing in the world and make it look like it's the least healthiest thing? So the, originally it was like, let's put water in a, in a tall boy beer can and make it look like beer. And then as you're looking at that, it kind of begged this, you know, as Mike and, and the other co-founders were looking at that, it begs this question of like, well, why does nobody put water in a can, right? And so they kind of dove into that. And the idea was, well, in the decades and decades of bottled water marketing, it's always been about purity, right? It's always purity, you know, bottled at the source, all of that sort of thing. And so in order to market it that it was pure, you have to see it. And so in order to see it, you have to put it in a plastic bottle, right? Or sometimes a glass bottle, but usually a plastic bottle. And to your point, that's what every single brand in the whole category has done for decades and decades. And then if you think about how that marketing strategy has literally created millions and millions of tons of plastic waste that are in landfills and oceans simply from that one marketing conceit that no one bothered to question and that's how we got here it's really marketing that has gotten us into this pollution situation in a lot of in a lot of ways and i'm not saying that liquid death will single-handedly take us out of it but i do think part of our mission is to use marketing to pull us out of it and find a better way to do it i want to know i want to know what those the brands did or reacted the brands with the big plastic bottles coke and pepsi did when you told people to ship their bottles back to them and didn't you you provide the postage is that right we did yeah that was before my time here um but my guess is there wasn't much of a reaction (laughs) (laughs) i don't don't know how you react to that and like win that you know um yeah it was pretty funny we um we just posted i think it was yesterday well, so the other the other amazing thing about the brand is we now have somewhere of upwards of like over 300 people that have gotten our logo tattooed what? on their body and some and some yeah, some somewhere, you know, we give up free water. We always say depending on the size and location. <laughs> so we have one guy who got like his full head, like full head, he's got water for life. <laughs> um other people we hook him up with, you know, other stuff. But my joke was always like that no one's getting like Dasani tattoos. But yesterday, we posted this video on our Instagram where someone got actually got a, it's one of our cans, but it says death before Dasani um, on it. So they actually have our liquid death logo before, and then it's the Dasani logo. So <laughs> I can't technically say that no one's getting Dasani logos because this one kind of has it in it. So we congratulated Dasani on Instagram for their first fan tattoo. I, I, lo- I love it. Are they trying to, bu- like, yeah. so you guys are growing and mm-hmm. you're getting more popular and you have a cult following. 
I think you're the number one beverage brand on TikTok or something like that. Are people trying to buy you? Yep. Are you on the radar of Coke? I mean, are they like now saying, all right, I see what you're doing and making offers? I mean, anecdotally, I think I think you've seen, you know, aluminum cans and bottles start popping up a little bit more. And Monster Energy just announced they're getting into the water business all of a sudden. They're la- they're launching something called Tour Water. So there's a lot of people that kind of um you know, they see it. I think the big thing is, is look, like we've, we've established a brand all around the identity of this. And look, I'm totally stoked that other brands are getting involved on it. And if it's about replacing plastic bottles with infinitely recyclable aluminum cans, I mean, that's the best thing, right? We're forcing change, you know, industry-wide. That's awesome. So yeah, that's the power of a brand and what Dan and I love and you clearly being a bit of an ad junkie and nerd is that when you build, it's not just the product. It is so much what you infuse into that with creativity. And that's what people want. Yeah. To your point, they want to be entertained. I was, I always like as a youngster in the business, I was like, why is Super Bowl the only day we get excited to do really fun work? Why can't we do that every day? Why can't every, I, growing up, I was a huge MTV junkie. When that came out, I was like, holy shit. Not only are the videos great, but the ads were so good. The bumpers, the campaign for MTV itself. And for years, even today, if you tune into MTV, that the programming isn't quite there, but the ads are better. And I'm like, why do people, why do brands think that only people watching MTV or Cartoon Network or Comedy Central want to see good stuff? Yeah. Well, I also don't think that it has to be about advertising either. I think it's, I mean, it was funny the other day I was teaching a, uh, a friend had me come in to teach their college class. And one of the other professors was like, do you guys even have briefs? Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, what are you guys even doing? He's like, where, like, what, how do you determine like what an idea is? And I kind of, I was like, you know what? I think the idea is, is the brand. Like the idea is the brand and the product. And so whatever we do, we don't need strategy. We don't need to overthink it because it's all contained within the brand, which is also the products sort of happening simultaneously together. And so it makes our jobs much more fun where it frees us up to do kind of whatever we want, as long as it involves the brand in some capacity. But I also think like there doesn't have to be, again, like traditional advertising. There's You can have ideas without ads, right? I remember my my first my my advertising 101 class in college. I actually took advertising in college. And the day that I was like holy shit was our professor was talking about um A1 steak sauce <laughs> and years ago. They added they added three words to the label which was which uh, increased sales by something like 20% uh-huh. um almost instantly. And the three words were refrigerate after opening. The strategy was for every one time you open your pantry door where everyone was keeping their ketchup and their A1 and all the other shelf-stable products, you actually open up your refrigerator 10 times, right? And so that that to me was like, oh, wow, we can just have ideas and ideas have magic. They don't have to be contained in a 30-second ad or a produced thing. And so I think like that kind of thinking is what fuels us is this, this sort of notion that we can find amazing solutions that actually change behavior and change the way people think and do it for good. You know, another thing you guys do so well 
is that you make a lot of work, whether it's an ad or not an ad or an activation or a show or whatever it is, you, you make yeah. a lot of it. You're one of my favorite brands because you operate like agencies. We all wish all of our clients would be a little bit freer with just putting some stuff out there, being you know truer to the brand or whatever the brand is and pushing it, making it really relevant and trying to make a trying to form a relationship with the audience and not overthinking things and not putting it into, you know, testing. I can't imagine you guys have big budgets. Talk a little bit about your production approach. Yeah. I actually like hearing that because I think sometimes people see with the volume of work we do, there are people assume we have all this money. And, um, I think, you know, going back, I'd rather make a bunch of stuff and keep it super scrappy and make more things than make a bunch of large things that take a lot of time and money. And also when we be, when we own the production process, which we tend to do, we can be smarter about the money. And I find having constraints on it. I actually like going into something and we're like, we got no money for this. Um, because there's so much bloat that can happen on the agency side on the production side, on the clients, like everyone's just spending money because like, that's again, how it's supposed to be done. So, you know, we put stuff out that caught, that costs us a couple grand <laughs> to make, you know, like a lot of times we're just, we're spending literally like pennies to put something out because we own the process from start to finish from concepts to production, to editing. We just, we do it all. We want to own it all and do it all in house. Um, and so it freezes up to move incredibly fast to make it incredibly cheaply. Um, and you know, if I'm being honest, sometimes I like that it feels cheap because I think I, I sometimes some stuff is good when it feels big and, and, you know, if the idea is that it should feel polished, that's great. If the idea is that like the, but the more polished stuff we do, the more it feels like slick marketing. And so I think, I think like we lean a lot into the fact that we don't want it to look as good sometimes, or, you know, we want it to, to have a certain aesthetic because again for us you're more likely to kind of root for like the weird kids making a bunch of crazy stuff in their garage than you are for like the yeah. big you know michael bay you know next movie that's coming out so i saw a stat today that 75 percent of gen z is watching 54 percent of what they're consuming content wise is just made by people yeah and my analogy for that is like look at um I mean, look at like what people, what kids, Gen Z or below want to be when they grow up, right? It, mm -hmm. it tends to, they want to be influencers or content creators, right? Or you, it used to be YouTubers, right? And it really, it, it is true that those careers or those creative expressions are kind of the new rock star, right? Back in the 80s or 90s, you just wanted to be in a band, right? But those people who, you know, people who are making content in a lot of ways are, advertisers and marketers competition, right? It's not other ads, not other brands, it's content creators. And so if you think about that, it, it, it's like if we transported marketers and advertisers back to the 90s or 80s and they were like, okay, to make ads, you just have to write songs that are gonna be better than this Green Day song or than this Van Halen song or whatever. And that's, that's an insane thing to ask because we wouldn't be made to, we wouldn't be structured to make hit pop songs, but nowadays we're we're competing against hit pop culture, which is content that's on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and everything. And so I think there has to be a dramatic shift in the way that everyone 
that everything is structured and everyone's mindset, if that's really how we want to compete and we want to be, you know, be effective and we have to rethink everything, the structure of our agencies, the structure of our relationships with brands, brands themselves, the way we produce uh, post-production. There's so many things that have to be rethink, thunk, rethunk, <laughs> rethought. Um, that, uh, yeah, we're just, I, we're, get, we're getting slapped in the face constantly and no one knows that we're getting slapped in the face right now, you know? You're saying so much, so much smart stuff, right? And and it's like, and I just wish you were my client. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I feel like I've talked to a fellow creative, right? Like this is the kind of stuff. Like if if marketers are wondering, thank you, I am. <laughs> He's pitching you right now, Andy. <laughs> oh no! Oh god! Listen, listen. If you need help, with we're here they to help no you. Help. It seems like you guys are doing just. Seems like this you're was a very elaborate ruse. <laughs> To uh, yeah, to just look like it's all right. You call us, we'll we'll be there. But you know what I mean. It doesn't look okay. like any help. Is the organization set up like an agency at all? Because you guys are from agencies, or did you scrap the model too? Yeah, I mean, I think we're very we're very it's very small intentionally. I think it just allows us to move quickly. I you know I have a handful of um, you know a handful of creatives and. And Mike is a, you know, he's our, in a lot of ways, he's both our CEO and our CCO. Mm -hmm. He, he, the brand came from him and he has a, a, he's a fount of amazing ideas. And so we just work really closely and don't overthink things. Um, Not, not to dog on strategists, but I will for a second. We don't, we don't have any strategy. We don't have any strategists. We don't, we don't like amble in the wilderness looking for you know, some revelation. We just, we are super decisive and we just say, yes, this is funny. We like doing this, go do it. Or like, nah, this isn't working. Strategists are very necessary when you have clients, but when you're your own client, I mean, not to, I love strategy and the strategists that we, that I seek out that I like to work with are creatives too. They can write, they have ideas totally. and we welcome that and they they welcome our insights or our thoughts on culture. So it's like, I don't know, I kind of, I don't see a huge division other than, I mean, yeah. they really literally are strategists here, write scripts. So they're kind of are, you know, one in the same, but they're, they're definitely going to have to go to the focus groups <laughs> and not us. <laughs> well, we also don't do that. Right. Clearly, we clearly don't do focus groups because. We always say it's like if you had focus groups, it wouldn't be called liquid death to begin with, right? No, so exactly. like that's the other part is you have to kind of trust your gut. We have to the strategy has to become from like our own kind of observations of the world. And then how do you manifest that in a in a way that is inherently part of the creative rather than separating strategy off from creative, I guess is probably the the better way to approach it, which is what you're saying. Creative strategists that are that are kind of melding the two simultaneously. Well, it's working. Whatever you're doing is really <laughs> working. What was your favorite? What was your favorite ad? The favorite activation idea? What if you had to choose one? Oh my god, it's so hard because we. <laughs> I feel like I've lived a thousand lives already in this job. Um, honestly, people ask me that, and my answer is always one of the ones that a lot of people probably didn't see, which was, um, because I think it encapsulates so many nice things about what we're doing, which was um, right after I joined about my month two here, there was this guy on Insta- on TikTok, his whole TikTok feed was him chugging a can of liquid death in 15 seconds every single day. 
And he was, he was going on a year. He was approaching a final year. And that's all it was. It was literally just 15 seconds and he would chug it. And that was it. Um, and it was coming up to a year and we were like, me and the social team are like, what are we going to do for this guy? And we couldn't come up with anything. And finally, uh, a couple days before we had this idea that maybe we should like memorialize this guy's achievement. And a lot of people get liquid death tattoos. A lot of fans get liquid death tattoos, but could liquid death for the first time ever get a fan tattoo? Um, because, because Mike, our founder and CEO, he's got like, you know, sleeves, he's got all kinds of tattoos. And I was like, we're probably the only brand on the planet where the CEO would be like, yes, I will get a tattoo of this random person's face on my body. <laughs> so like, I'm like month two, I'm like, Hey, Mike, I have an idea. Uh, we'd really love for you to go get a tattoo of this kid's face next week. And he was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> so like basically in two days we got this, we had him go out and oh he, he has, he has it like, he has it right on his arm. I see it every time we meet. It always makes me laugh. Um, he had this this tattoo of this random dude's face that he got, and we made a little video of it. Oh my god, I love um, it. it! It's actually really funny. It has the it has the dates of um, I forget exactly what it dates, but it's like it's like one year. <laughs> but it looks like it looks like the like birth to death. Basically, <laughs> it looks like this guy only lived for like a year underneath it. Um, <laughs> but so we did that. We made a little video and put it out. But it it just I think for for us it's like. We move fast. We do stuff. We we are just we'll do stuff that other people won't do, but it has a really good heart. And the brand itself is like really interactive. Where we are kind of in this weird con, we're kind of in a constant dialogue between our fans, you know, messing with them, giving them what they want. Um, even the can itself is kind of interactive when you hold it. It it you know it looks like a beer, so people come up to you and approach you and have questions, or if you have our merch on. It looks like you're wearing a death metal band, but it's just the name of a water company, you know? So the brand itself is inherently interactive. And we try to, we kind of use that throughout all of our, everything we do. And I, I think that story is a really nice encapsulation of, of the kind of, the kind of work we want to make on a really small level that feels kind of approachable. You I know? love it. Most people would have said like, was Khalifa or Martha or one of the celeb many celebrities you've worked with. So that's, that's really, um, I guess to me, like says it all, like you guys are just really good, genuine people making murder water or I'm sorry. <laughs> no, they're murdering your thirst, well, I, Myra. I, Come I, on, you're fucked up the TM. Yeah, they murder your thirst. And I do like I do think I loved when I, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, it's you know, I'm I'm a mom. I did listen to Pantera growing up. I was a bit of a metalhead, but I've you know gotten older and I looked at it and I was like, oh, wow, that's like kind of satanic looking water. <laughs> and then, of course, reading about it, I was like, who the hell came up with this and was so happy to see that it was a bunch of ex ad guys um, out there being weird. So thanks. Thanks for making it and making these great ads and inspiring everybody, saving the world, not boring people. I mean, can't say enough of good things, enough good things. Not boring people is also saving the world. Thank you oh, yes. for making us laugh. Um, so we, we kind of wrap up every episode with um, we ask our guests the same question and that's, do you believe advertising will save us? And you've done such an amazing job 
you know, when we say advertising, we mean like marketing. We mean like your whole idea is basically marketing. You know, it's, it's a, I don't want to say it's a parody product. Uh, you know, I know your water is probably better than everybody else's water, but you realize that it's so much more than just what's in the can. It's what the can is about, what the mission is. So, and, and it's, it seems like it's having an incredible impact. So do you think, Andy Pearson, do you think advertising will save us? I think ideas will save us. I don't think it has to be advertising, but I think we can we can do a lot if we stop and think about things. And that goes for everything. That's not just the planet. That's our own personal lives or everything. Um, so yeah, ideas, not ads. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. This is fun. Well, that was fun. Wow. Jealous. I know. Jealous. That's exactly what I was thinking. But, you know, we have fun jobs, Dan. We do. It's just um, the focusing on one brand and building that. uh, I think I'm in a brand that fun is what I'm most jealous of. I agree. I agree with that. And I look, not every brand could share his tone or be as audacious as he is in some categories. You know, it wouldn't work. But, But I think there's real lessons here. Like, honestly, like, know your brand and don't be the same as everyone else find your lane and then like right like i use this analogy like find your strike zone and then throw as hard as you can into it right and and these guys at liquid death they figured out what they were who they were who they're not and they're just throwing fastballs right in there and it's just like hit after hit and and like i don't mean to take anything away from them but it um in a good way it looks like i don't want to say effortless it feels effortless, and I'm sure a lot of hard work goes, and I'm sure they kill a lot of ideas and work really hard. But, um, you know, when you have a good idea, it's easy to kind of build on it and build on it and build on it. It just seems, it seems like they're in that situation. And they're, it feels like they're really in the zone with their team and just that whole reliance on their own, like, gut thinking. Like, they go with their gut. They get to decisions quickly. And then also keeping their production vertical and doing it all themselves, being scrappy, rolling up their sleeves. You get you get just a bigger, I think, investment from people into the idea, making it happen if they're heavily involved. And I know we mentioned this a bunch of times in the interview, but I, I can't say it enough. You know, a lot of the conversations that happen inside agencies or inside when we're judging the best work at, at some kind of show – is does everything have to be cause related? Does everything have to be sad? Does everything have to be earnest? Does everything have to be preachy? And we all keep saying, no, there should be more. We should be approaching these important issues with some levity sometimes with some different, different ways. And I think this is just such a good reminder. They're doing all the right things. They're the most modern of brands, right? And they don't look, feel, act, they, they, they're, you know, like anybody else. And man, I, it's, it's so refreshing. No pun intended. Yeah. And the sust- doing sustainability in such a fresh yeah. way on top of like doing water in a fresh way yeah. and health, they're doing health, water, sustainability. There's so many important messages underlying all those laughs and ridiculousness. So good. Okay, so we have one more segment for all of you before we wrap it up. We call it The Kids Are All Right. And this is where each week we bring on someone brand new to the industry to hear how they plan to change it for the better. Yeah, so a little bit about me. Uh, my name is Edwin Ari Steed. 
I was uh, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. I started working for Havas at uh, the very end of February, beginning of March. Well, one, one thing I like about the advertising industry is, you know, seeing things from a different lens and different point of view, you know, because like growing up, you know, we all, all of us always see advertisements, whether it's commercials or, you know, out of home, banners, whatever. But, you know, seeing it from the client's point of view, and their approach to it, you know, and, and from an agency point of view as well, it's very interesting. And, you know, working in advertising, I feel like I've had to put myself in different people's shoes, not just, you know, the agency or the client, but, you know, mainly the the uh, the uh, target audience. You know, uh, my family's from Haiti, you know, and uh, I always felt like as a kid, um, or even not just as a kid, but as like a, as a young, as a young man, I w- always felt like, Haiti was never, as a country and as a culture and as a people, has never been represented correctly. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely love to, uh, you know, do work that would, you know, bring, that would, like, raise awareness to, you know, these community, these West Indian and Haitian communities. You know, I would definitely love to. Um, I haven't gotten the opportunity as of yet, but, you know, that, that's definitely on my on my list, to, you know, to be able to work on that. Thank you for listening. Advertising Will Save Us is an Intelligence Squared production in partnership with Havas U.S. The producers are Isabella Soames, Yosula Alaranchola, and technical assistance from Mark Roberts. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend, tell that friend to tell that friend, and so on. Um, and please, all of you, subscribe and leave us a glowing review, or at least email us and tell us uh, what you'd rather hear. 